Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And as you're opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we actually return back to, to the parables. We return back to Matthew as uh, we've had a break for, for some time. But, you know, as we, as we look at uh, where we're at now, we, we see Jesus that he's teaching in parables. And this whole chapter, Matthew 13, is actually filled with parables. And as I previously mentioned, you know, parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus uses earthly examples. He uses earthly illustrations. And it all has a heavenly meaning. You know, as we think about in Matthew chapter 13, it's as I was sharing with you, you know, Jesus explained to us why He taught in parables. And I want to remind you of the fact that Jesus taught in parables because He wanted the believers to understand. And of course, He would explain to them, and for us, we have the Spirit of God that explains to us what the parables mean. One thing that we also know is that He didn't want unbelievers to understand because they want nothing to do with Him. And so, the parables and the Word of God, we know that the spiritually or the unspiritual, the, the individuals that are not born again, the Bible will never make sense to them because they're not spiritually discerned. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. And then finally, He gave parables because it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was stated previously that, that He would teach in this style. And so then we're given two parables. You know, when we began chapter 13, we went over two parables and we went over these in great depth. The first one was a parable of the sower. And there he referred to the soils of the heart. What he talked about is this man that goes out and he sows seed in his land. And the seed that goes out, he's talking about here his word. He's talking about the gospel. What is the condition of the heart that the seed lands? When, he, when we talk about the word that goes out, what is the condition of the heart that hears it? You know, he talked about some that fall by the wayside, right? In other words, here this was the soils that aren't good because the devil immediately snatches the word that was heard. And then he said there's others that, you know what, that, that when the seed goes out, it falls on stony places. And this is the soil of the heart that abandons the gospel as soon as tribulation and persecution arises. So they say, you know what, it's too hard. You know what, as, as, I, as I'm being persecuted, as I, people don't like me anymore. Or you know what, or, or, or you know what, I'm just, I'm going through all these trials. I, you know what, this happened as soon as I became a believer. And so, you know what, I don't want Christianity. How many of us know people that did this? You know, there's people out there. There's others that fell, as he says, that when the sower threw the seed out, that it fell on the thorns. And these were the heart's the soil of the heart that abandoned the, that abandoned the gospel for the cares and the riches of this world. In other words, they say, you know what, I still want to pursue the things of the world. I love these things. I love the riches of this world. And you know what, and, and following Christ is hindering these things. And so they abandon the gospel. And then he closes with this one, that some fell on good soil. The soil of the heart was good. 
as they received the gospel and as they believed it by faith. And then he gave us a second parable. <clears throat> the parable of the wheat and the tares. And in this parable, Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed. In other words, this is the wheat. But then the enemy came as he sowed the wheat and he began to sow seeds, tares. These are weeds. These are, this is Darnell that immediately as it, as it went into the ground and it began to, to choke the wheat. And he began to destroy some of the wheat. But I want you to understand that as he talked about the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, that he said that the wheat are the sons of God and the Darnell are the sons of the devil who rejected the gospel. And so as we look at both these gospels, right? I mean, both these parables, the first parable, we see that a quarter of the people, right, are, are the ones that believe the gospel. But we see that there's three quarters of the people that reject the gospel. And it appears that it's not a whole lot of people. But then in the second parable, right, we also see that there are many that are Darnells, this, this wheat that would destroy the land. These are the sons of the devil. And, and you see that there's a lot of these Darnells that are there, right, planted with the good seeds. So as we look at both parables, you know, when we read these, right, it, it appears that not many people follow the Lord. And the world around us attempts to validate this statement. But how much is not many? Think about that. How much is not many? Let's talk about this, right? Because as we're talking about the people of God, as we're talking about the church here, is the church influential or not? Is the gospel spreading or not? You know, since its early beginnings, you know, there when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, we saw a church that was passionate about God. We saw a church that was so on fire for God. We ask ourselves, has the church lost its passion? Have we decided to just blend in and copy the world? Or are we in fact influencing the world? But when Jesus talked about the sower and, and then the wheat and the tares, it also appears that the church right, may not be so effective. Because you think to yourself, look at how many people reject the gospel and look at all the Darnells or the weeds that, that come up in comparison. I want you to understand, the church is still making an impact. See, we make and continue to make an impact. We are infectious, we are influential, and we will continue to be this way until the Lord takes us out. Yes, there are some churches that are just, you know what, have compromised and they've allowed the world to come in, but I want you to understand this, that the church of Jesus Christ, the true church, right, continues to grow, and it continues to spread. And Jesus gives us some insightful insight. He gives us something that is so insightful 
that though the church began small, it will grow and it will continue to spread until we are taken out. See, in these two parables, I want you to understand, Jesus will point out the small beginnings of the church. And let's remember, how small was the church when it began? Twelve apostles. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, there were 120 disciples. Imagine that. 120 disciples. Small, isn't it? You know, 12 apostles, 120 disciples. Yes, it starts small, but eventually what, what happened with the church? It spread. It was influential. It multiplied. It grew. And do you remember Peter's sermon? Remember when he gave that amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 were added to the church in Acts 2.41. And I want to remind you of this. In the end, there will be millions and millions of people in the church age in the kingdom of God. And this is what these next two parables are all about. Though Jesus doesn't give us the explanation of these next two parables, as He did with the first two parables, we have the Holy Spirit to teach us and to give us its meaning, as Jesus said He would in John 14, verse 26. And so as we examine both these parables, we're going to see how influential the church is. Just how the church has grown and the gospel has spread. And that is the title of today's message, The Growth of the Church. And so with that, let's go ahead and read, beginning in verse 31, and we're only going to go to verse 35. So in Matthew 13, 31, it begins like this. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like the leaven, or is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable He did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will other things, utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so as we see this, right, very short, but very powerful, very profound. And the first parable is a parable of the mustard seed. And so let's go back and read these two verses as we're going to expound and spend some time talking about this. In verse 31 it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and, meet and nest in its branches. Before we examine this scripture, let's talk about the mustard seed. You know, when we th think about mustard, right? For us in the U.S., 
How many of you like mustard on your hot dogs? A lot of us. Some people don't like the mustard. They just want the ketchup. How many of you like mustard on your sandwiches? I'm one of those too that like mustard. Some just like mayo, right? How many of you like mustard on those large breaded pretzels? Not many? A few of you. I'm one of those too. But I want you to know one thing about mustard. Mustard, in fact, is used for other things. It's used for oils. It's used for vinaigrettes. It's used for sauces. Sauces. Not sauces. Sauces. And there's one other thing. There is mustard soup. Anybody tasted mustard soup? No? You know what? It's a Dutch thing. It's a, it's a Dutch ditch, dish. And it's usually it's a soup that is made out of mustard seed. It's the people of the Netherlands and the northern Belgium. They love this soup. And so they make this soup. And I try to find out how it tastes, right? And the only posting I had was from 2010 that said it was great. But there was only one. So I don't know how good this mustard soup is, but know that it's also made. But let's talk about the mustard seed itself. The mustard seed is actually a shrub. And this shrub can actually grow wild. And there are three kinds of mustard. The black and the white are the most favorable seeds. And I want you to understand about this seed because this is something that, again, is very applicable to the Jew. Because the Jew was the one that would plant mustard in their gardens. See, they would plant this mustard seed in their gardens. And you would think to yourself, but it's small, right? Why does Jesus refer to it as growing into a tree? Can this plant actually grow into a tree? I want you to know that in hot climates, this plant can spring up to the dimensions of a small tree. And I wanted to further investigate this, right? Because I'm a visual person. In order for me to explain it to you, I need to see pictures of them, right? So I googled it on the internet and I wanted to see fields of mustard or mustard plants. And you know what? It's amazing, these mustard plants, right? You could see them and they have fields of, of mustard plants and And then I wanted to see, can this shrub actually grow into a tree? And when I pulled it up, yes, you have some shrubs that that do grow pretty massive, 12 to 15 feet high. It's, It's an impressive height and it grows there in Palestine. And so now we know why Jesus would refer to this plant as a plant that would grow like a tree and and where birds can nest. But there's also something else that's very troubling about this because, see, many people have stated, you know what, Jesus is a liar because of this statement that He made here. When He talks about the size of the seed. See, Jesus makes reference to the size of the seed as the smallest seed. And because of this, people have attempted to say Jesus is a false teacher. But again, remember, Jesus knows what He's talking about. He created all seeds, all plants, right? So He knows exactly what He was referencing here. 
See, there are smaller seeds, and I'll share this with you. The orchid, you know, orchids, those beautiful plants, that's actually one of the smallest seeds that there is. But when Jesus was referring to this seed, he was referring to the seeds of the garden plants of Palestine. See, this is the smallest of the garden seeds. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 19, it is clear that Jesus is referring to the man's garden. That's what he was talking about. But I also want you to know this, that Jesus made this statement, and when he made this statement, it was proverbially. And what do I mean by this? See, the seed was used as a common proverb. Do you remember in Luke chapter 17, verse 6, where the Lord says that if you have faith as a mustard seed. Again, they used to use the the mustard seed as a proverb. See, as you look at this, right? As we look at this verse from Luke 17, verse 6, Jesus is saying all you need is little faith, just like that little mustard seed. So what exactly is Jesus saying here, right? When we're talking about, you know what? It's small, it's the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. See, when you look at the beginning of the mustard seed, it is the smallest seed, but then it becomes large. And when Jesus was talking about this, you know what he was saying? He was speaking prophetically about the church. Describing the small beginnings of the church. But then the mustard seed became so large, it became unnaturally large, that birds could nest on the branches. See, Jesus was sharing with the disciples that the church would one day grow. See, the disciples had no idea what the church would become. See, for us, we can look back, right, almost 2,000 years ago, and we can see today that the church is still growing. Let's remember its size, right, when the New Testament church began from Acts chapter 1, verse 15. 120. But then after the day of Pentecost, the church grew immediately to 3,000, and then 5,000. But yet, the disciples had no clue that the church would one day grow to this size. Do you remember Pastor Chuck Smith? The Calvary Chapel movement that began there with the little church there in Costa Mesa. That little church. Now over 1,500 churches and so many Bible colleges. Small beginnings. But look at how large Christianity has grown. See, and this is what the disciples, they had no clue. They had no idea that from these, that the church would spread and it would grow and it would be infectious and it would continue to grow and grow into a magnitude that we see today. And many have perished. Those are the saints that are in heaven, but for us that still move on, we see that the church is growing. I want you to know that from 12 to 120. Do you want to know the size of the church today? And I was trying to figure out exactly the size. The only 
information I could get was from 2010, a census that was taken. Stats that were showing in 2010 that there are 2.2 billion so-called Christians. Imagine that. That started from what? 12? 120? So when Jesus taught this parable, it was extremely prophetic. Because the believers were clueless at this time, for the church had not yet begun, but Jesus spoke as it would be. As we're talking about harvest. How many thousands of people are going to dedicate themselves to the Lord in a couple of weeks? The church is still growing. The church continues to grow. And then Jesus gives us some additional insight. And we're going to look at now the second parable so that we can see exactly what He wants to teach us. There in verse 33 says, Another parable He spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. So we have here the second parable, which is actually the fourth parable overall. And what is Jesus claiming? He's claiming that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took three measures of flour, that's what that means, of meal, it means of flour, and she put some leaven or yeast, so it was all leavened, and it all permeated. For the women, and there's some men here, how many of you are bakers here? How many of you have made bread before? If you didn't put yeast or leaven in the bread, what would happen? Flat, right? It'd be like a tortilla, like a cracker. But for those of you that know how to cook, and I mean, that bake, let me repeat that. And you know what? Actually, my son, my wife kept talking about she wanted a bread maker, right? And instead of doing all the work with her hands, she said, let's get a bread maker. And so he brought her a bread maker. And in order for the bread to rise, you've got to put what? Yeast in it. You've got to put the leaven in it. See, as we think about this, right? The leaven has to spread all over. And then the bread begins to rise and Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to leaven that spreads. See, I want you to understand one thing and why he refers to this is because Christianity is a faith that has spread and has influenced the world. I want to bring it home to your own families. Let's think about this. Were you the first or was another family member the first in your family to surrender themselves to Jesus Christ? It started with one, right? And immediately it spread to what? Another and another and another. Whether it was you or whether it was another family member. In my family, it was actually my sister and my brother-in-law. They came to know the Lord and they were infectious. They were extremely influential because I saw the light in them. I saw change in them. I saw transformation in them. And that influence really, what? Influenced me. And so immediately when I saw the change in them, I said, you know what, I want some of this change. And so I came to know the Lord, and then my brother came to know the Lord, and, but yet we have one sister, that's a holdout. But that's okay. But we see the influence of Christianity, see? And this is what I want to share with you, that as the leaven spreads, this is the way Christianity spreads, but I know that 
Many times leaven refers to sin and how that spreads. But I want to speak on the reality of how leaven spreads. See, as sin spreads, so does the gospel spread, right? And in this parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to leaven. So in fact, this cannot be a reference to sin. But this is a reference to the influence and the spread of Christianity. The Lord knew exactly what was coming. He knew how the church would spread and He was speaking prophetically as He spoke in parables. Remember, He was giving earthly stories to reveal what? A heavenly meaning. He was giving them insight, prophetic insight as to what the church would one day do. But this is how the Lord works. The Lord always works. He always starts out small. See, this is why His Word talks about beginnings that are so small in Job chapter 8 verse 7 and Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. See, but wherever true Christianity starts, it spreads, it grows, it infects, it impacts. How many people refuse the love of Christians? How many people refuse the light that is within us? There are many people out there. Even though the Lord says, you know what? There was only a quarter, right? Out of the four seeds that went out. But yet it's still infectious. It's still impactful. See, the influence Christians have over people is amazing. I want you to know this. Yes, you have the negative impact on some, right? Those are the ones that want to persecute the Christian. But we also have the positive impact on others, right? This is where we're infectious. This is where we're impactful. See, we focus on the impact. We want to make disciples of all nations. We want to influence the community around us. And I want to share this with you. I know some of you have, have maybe heard the rumblings of, of a new ministry that has started in this church. And this new ministry, I want you to understand, well, I want you to, I'm, I'm introducing it to you and to the, to the church as it was so applicable as we're going through these parables. This ministry that we have is called Beyond Our Walls. And what it does is it wants to influence people beyond the walls of our church. See, and this started from our church planning ministry. See, we have a church planning training, right? And, and as we've seen already, this church planning has been extremely impactful. I mean, we already have a, a church that will be planted there where in Calvary Chapel, Primo Tapia. We're actually going, so you know, this coming Thursday to go look at places where maybe we can start the work. And we already have a person that has a desire, a couple, that desires to go down there and to, to begin this work, and they're just asking for our prayers and for con God's continual confirmation. But going back to this church planning training, the men were all given an assignment to pray and to ask the Lord for guidance on reaching the community around us. And I want you to know that this community, I mean this ministry is in its genesis. It's at its birth. But know this, that it will impact, influence, and infect the community like never before. And you're saying, how are we going to do this? You know, as we all prayed and sought the Lord and you know what? All the men came together and, and we began to speak about the things that, 
God would be doing through through this ministry. Remember, it's not just these men. We're talking about the ministry and we're expecting all of you to come with us to participate in all of this. And so one of the men, the Lord put it upon his heart. He said, you know what? We should paint a home. A community member that is unchurched. Remember, this is all for the unchurched. It's not to influence the church. It's to influence the unchurched. And so we're going to examine and look at the community around us and, and see which home is, 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 is just needing a painting. And we're going to go there. We're going to paint the house. We're going to share the gospel and, you know what? Influence him and make an impact for Jesus Christ. Another man thought, you know what? Maybe we can do their gardening, right? Not the same home. Somebody else's home. You know, the older people, though, those that can't get out and mow their lawns. You know what? And we see that their lawn is a mess. Let's go out there, you know, and do it and help them. You know what? Someone else thought of getting a group of men who desire to preach and teach the Word of God and to go into these convalescent homes and share the Gospels. In other words, having many churches in, in these places, right? Because we have enough men here that can teach the Gospel. That can teach the Word. And so, they, as the Spirit of God put it upon their hearts, they, they went to a new home, and this is an extension of, the, you know, what, of what we do, because we have the compassionate ministry, but now we want to take this further. And you have here on Cameron, how many of you know of that old rehabilitation, I mean, uh, that, uh, that convalescent home that's there on the corner of, I think it's Fairgrove and, or Francisquito and, Hacienda Boulevard. It's a convalescent home there. And, and so the men went there this past Friday and they spoke to the people and the supervisor that's in charge there and, and they shared their vision. And immediately the supervisor says, do we have to pay you anything? Or are you going to do it for free? We're going to do it for free. And she says, these people are... Those people that are in that home, I, she wanted us to understand. These are not the wealthy people, so kids rarely visit them because most of the kids that will visit their people in these homes are because they're asking for money from their parents. But here, no one visits them. They said the people are depressed. And so now the Lord has opened up a door for us to go there and to preach the gospel, to teach the Word of God. We're going to go into hospice homes. You know what a hospice is, right? The hospice is a home where it's, they're waiting to die. They got six months to a year before they die. And so we want to send men out to teach the Word to these people. You know what? We're going to go to the Queen of the Valley Hospital and speak with them and ask them, reveal to us the patients that are neglected because there's patients there that no one visits them. We want to go out and give the love of God. Go into the old town, La Puente, and into there, into the businesses, and, and clean their windows for nothing, and just say, you know what, we just want to beautify this city. See, this is how we make an impact. They're going to say, you guys are doing things that the world doesn't do, and why do we do these things? Because we got God in us. And that's what it's all about. It's not about anything else. It's not about making a name for Calvary Chapel New Beginnings. 
It's about making a name for Jesus Christ. It's about making disciples of, for Jesus Christ. It's about going beyond our walls. Our small little church can make a huge impact in this community. See, we want Jesus Christ to spread beyond these four walls. We've got to touch this community that God has placed us in. And this is what Christians do. This is what it's all about. You know what? It's about us getting involved and making an impact in our communities outside of the church. And so, for those of you that want to participate, you know what? Let us know. We'll have a, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. For now, we don't have it, but let Tony or my son Tony, Pastor Tony and, and Paul know, and they'll take these sign-ups. When we think of Christianity as a whole, think of it this way. Who are the ones going to far places to preach the gospel? Who are the ones going to help the lost? Who are the ones helping when catastrophes hit? Do you see the atheists out there? Do you see the Muslims out there? Who do you see out there? Christian organizations. Christian people. That's what we do. See, we spread, we influence, we infect people with His love. It's about spreading the love of God. This is what influenced us. This is what infected us. And we will continue to leaven or to spread the gospel. But I do want to finish here. See, once the church is out, think of it this way. And how many of us are are anticipating and anxiously awaiting the rapture. I am. I pray, Lord, come soon, but if you want us to stay, we're going to do this. We're going to influence. We're going to go out and into our community. We want to bring people to Christ. See, once the church is out, so is the power and so is the influence. What does the gospel say when the church is raptured? What happens? The influence is gone. We know that both the Christian and the Jew are going to be hunted down like wild animals by the Antichrist, right? Look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What this means is that the influence that we have over the world will be removed when the church is raptured. Lawless living is held back because of our influence. Right? Imagine if you weren't there influencing people and telling people or people coming to you and saying, you know what, I'm all messed up. You shouldn't be doing that. Look at, they look at your lives. They examine your lives. And you're influencing people even though you're not saying, hey, you sinner, stop... Get out of that, you know what, that, that sin that you're in, you're just influencing by the love of God. See, but when the church is out, the world will change. See, we need to be praying for one final awakening because the Lord is coming. We need to be praying for a final revival within the church. The churches that are dead, the churches that are out there doing and impacting or influencing the world. See, we all have a choice to make. The choice is ours. Do we want to be an influence? 
Do we want to make an impact? Do we want to be infectious? I'll tell you this, I want revival in me. See, and when revival starts in us, when there is a radical change for Jesus Christ in us, then His Spirit will overflow from us. And His Spirit will touch those around us. See, the Spirit's influence, the Spirit's presence in us will touch those around us. People will immediately begin to repent and confess. Did you know that during the Great Awakenings that people were just, you know, when the preacher would go out there, people would just immediately begin to confess and repent? The Spirit of God was moving powerfully. Why? Because these preachers, these, preachers, these teachers, right? You know what? They held this intimacy with God. And the Spirit of God was so dominant in their lives that, that it would just be felt around them and they would repent and they would confess. What happened with the Jesus movement when Pastor Chuck Smith? See, when will that next movement begin? But it has to start in us. These ideas that I just gave you, that's not just for us. If you have any ideas, if you know how to impact this community, how to reach this community, let us know. It's not just about us, it's you. We've been called to this community to make an impact, to infect this community with Jesus Christ, to influence this community to Jesus Christ. But it starts with us. And let's finish here in verse 34. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable He did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. That's to the unbeliever. But to the believer, He has revealed what He wants to do. You and I, He has revealed His plan and His purpose for us. Let's step out by faith and let's be a people that want to get involved, that desire to do these things. You know what it's about? Bringing people to Christ. That's why Jesus came, right? To save souls. We don't do the saving. Jesus does the saving. But what we do is we influence them to Christ, don't we? Amen. Let us close. Lord, we thank You. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the reminder, Lord. But as Your Word says, revival starts in us. If we want the world around us to be changed, then the change has to begin in us. And I pray that as Your Word has gone out, that You have touched the hearts of those that are here. That they desire change in them. That they desire a deeper, more intimate relationship with You so that as they are just filled with You, that You will overflow from them. That Your presence would be dominant in them and people will see that. But that's a choice of the heart. We cannot force this or You do not force this upon anyone. We make this decision on our own. For those of you, for those of you that are here, and you desire to make an impact, but you know that 
Your relationship with Jesus Christ just needs to be deeper. It needs more intimacy. And you want this revival to start in you. Then I'm going to ask you now to stand up and we're going to pray for you. If this is you, stand up. And we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is for the believer. If you want your relationship with Jesus Christ to overflow, it's a choice you need to make. No one can force this upon you. But this is a choice. A choice of the heart. A choice that the Lord honors. Because the Lord desires that none should perish. And He uses people as instruments. He uses people. But our hearts must be right. Our hearts must acknowledge that it still needs some work. Is there anyone else? Anyone else that wants to stand up so we can pray for you? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you see these people that are standing. Lord, they desire that you fill them and overflow from them. Their desire, Lord, is to have more of you and less of them. Your desire, Lord, is to move powerfully through them. Their desire is aligning with what you desire, Lord. Lord, I want revival in my heart too, Lord. I want so much more of you, Lord, and less of me. We all want to make an impact for your glory and for your honor, not for our own. For we are not building our kingdom, but we are building your kingdom. Move powerfully through this ministry. Move powerfully through these people. Lord, we desire this fresh feeling. We desire you, Lord. Lord, use us. Reveal to us how. And let us step out by faith, Lord, to do the things that you have asked us to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you and thank you for your reminder. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And ushers, you may come forward. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this uh, another way, Lord, that we can just praise you with our offering, Lord. Uh, Lord, you tell us to, to give and, and, and you're just going to pour open the floodgates and pour out blessings on us. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that whatever is received today, Lord, will we'll meet the needs that you require it to meet.